0: The Beatles are a pretty nice band And we've got a lot to say The Beatles are a pretty nice band Talk about them day after day But we also love the outfit a lot So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band Someday we'll judge if they're fine Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine
1: Everybody's got something to hide Except for me and my monkey Come on, come on, on, come on, come on, come This is a fun one. Second CD or side three, whatever you want to call it, of the White Album.
0: Second CD? My man. This is cassette tape erasure. Sorry. I've derailed this immediately.
1: The 20th K-Single. Ah, if you want uh anyway the, the, this area of the no,
0: album I'm, I'm, I'm just joshing
1: no oh, i well I, i'd hope so uh this is the bills kicking out to James, and you know i all for it lots to love here uh the fireman's bell played by paul george's guitar riffs john's vocals the backing vocals particularly with the commands that i that i just uh Come on,
0: come on, come on.
1: No. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. on. And I faithfully just said, uh, and the howls in the background that you could pick up on the headphones are cool too. Um, This song is stupid and is totally fine.
0: Yeah, this is a real hoot to listen to. Uh, And it sounds like it's. And it, it sounds like it was actually fun to be there recording it in the studio, which you mm. can't say about most of this record, Mm-mm. records, or CDs, um, or cassettes. You know, or cassettes. Uh, while listening to it, like I turned it up louder and like just really got into the spirit of it all. Uh, there's not a lot of Beatles songs that I would consider bangers, but this I would.
1: All bangers. All the time. That's my motto. Would you say so, you said this was a hoot, but would yes. you call it a hoot nanny?
0: Well, that's a program on BBC with a former squeeze keyboardist Jules Holland. If we need to bring back squeeze talk, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not call it a hoot nanny or or the replacements record? There, that's here. what
1: I was going to say. Yeah, we could yes replacement stock.
0: Sorry, the hoot nanny is the is their uh, New Year's show. Um, oh, okay. Yes, um, on the Beeb.
1: Okay. I, I I didn't know that I was unfamiliar with the show. Certainly it's, Jules Holland, yeah. But.
0: Yeah, it's, it's basically later with Jules Holland, but on New Year's Eve. Okay. But yes, we'll, the Hootenanny. I'd call it a Hootenanny. Sure, why not? I think, yeah. I don't know if I'd bring a fireman's bell to a Hootenanny, but I guess Paul would.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's good exercise, it sounds like. It's pretty heavy.
0: Oh, it sounds like it's real heavy. Yeah.
1: So this song, let, let me tell you about this song, Audrey.
0: It's a bridge between
1: the willful, willful nonsense of I Am The Walrus and the confessional songs of his early solo career. Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except For Me and My Monkey it was written by John about his relationship with Yoko. John said, that was just a sort of nice line that I made into his song. It was about me and Yoko. Everybody seemed to be paranoid except for us two, who were in the glow of love. Everything is clear and open when you're in love. Everybody was sort of tense around this. You know, what is she doing here at the session? Why is she with him? All this sort of madness is going on around us because we just happen to want to be together
0: all the Is time. she really going out with him? Is she really going to take him home tonight? Or do my eyes deceive me? Let referred to the
1: song in the final interview he gave before his murder, spoiler, in December 1980, saying, as I put it in my last incarnation... Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. It re- means really that one cannot be absolutely oneself in public because the fact that you're in public makes you. You have to have some kind of defense or whatever it is. Um, interestingly, Jala denied that this was about heroin, but he hmm. did. But he did, you know, once again rail at the critics of the Beatles because he said uh, of the song it's a bit simplistic no they said it was a bit simplistic no imagery in it perhaps I should have said your inside is like a whale juice dripping from the fermented foam of the TD Boppers VD in Times Square as I injected my white clown face with heroin and performed in red letter knickers maybe then they'd like it right and this was 1980 uh, he's still upset <laughs> uh it was a too far what are we- <sighs> But I you can't picture Bob Dylan singing that. I, I I don't know.
0: Don't make me do the Bob Dylan voice. Oh <laughs> make me do my voice. Your inside is like a wheel juice.
1: And the <laughs> lady is.
0: Um, Bobber's V D in Times Square
1: My white Club Face Although Letter denied it the monkey of the title was widely taken to be a reference to heroin, as were the words. The deeper you go, the higher you fly. Apparently, a monkey on the back was a jazz term for heroin addiction, thought uh, to have originated in the nineteen forties. Uh, to be yeah. fair, you know, there heroin's also the um, horse, you know, and he was accused. Oh, yeah, Henry of,
0: the horse. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, what animal is not heroin?
0: Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I always kind of thought it was a reference to that considering that the, the term monkey on your back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I just, that's, that was just where my mind went. Uh, Henry, the horse, I'd never heard of that as a heroin reference, but you know, I'm not a BBC censor in 1966. So no, no spoiler alert. <laughs>
1: no, that's
0: okay.
1: Uh, I, I thought <laughs> his monkey, Ever since you know uh I first heard the song and read the title was about his wee wee, it was referencing.
0: Oh, but, sure.
1: You know everybody's got some names for me and my pee pee. You know uh, that's Beow, all. Do, 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 Me and my snake, my snake, tr- my trouser snake. Yeah, but it does have the same ring to it. So he said monkey. That was what I thought. Sure. Yeah. Um. But the thing it is, turns out we're what, both wrong. <laughs> yeah john and yoko had begun taking heroin in 1968 they claim they used it to escape the press interest in their relationship i've never partaken in the the stuff i guess nor have i been the subject of uh constant speculation in the press so nope. who am i to judge in his book the beatles forever nicholas Schneffer schaffner comments that while it was highly unlikely to have been an inspiration on Lennon, part of the negative public reaction to Ono's arrival in the Beatles' circle include posters depicting her as a monster with a monkey face running upon poor Judd's stooped back, her talons digging inexorably into his shoulders. That is... It's horrible. Fucked up. But fortunately, Britain is no longer uh, racist. Uh, No. No. For the, for, the, for the makers of Brexit. The lyrics contained some of the Maharishi's favorite sayings related to the meditation practice. According to George Harrison, aside from the reference to a monkey, the lyrics were almost entirely taken from the Maharishi's pronouncements. Harrison cited, Everybody's got something to hide, and Come on, is such a joy, as examples of their teacher's pet sayings. In the case of the latter, the Maharishi's full teaching was, Come on, it's such a joy. Take it easy. Take it as it comes. Enjoy.
0: Once again, don't say something in front of the Beatles. They are just going to use it in a song.
1: Hey, are you writing this down? Don't, I told you not to write this <laughs> down. It would <gets, laughs> be even easier if they had cell phones, too. If they, but uh,
0: Oh, God, could you imagine the voice memos of John Lennon?
1: <laughs> Add monkey. <laughs> The Beals rehearsed the song a number of times before recording it to tape. A demo version was recorded at George Harrison's Esher, Esher, sorry, bungalow in May 1968. It started as a gentle blues-based song with little hint of the rocker it would become. Initially known as "Untitled," it didn't come on, come on. It was first recorded at Abbey Road on June 26, 1968. It was the first it was the Beatles' first full group session since early June because George Harrison had traveled to California to film his segments in the Ravi Shankar documentary Raga, and Ringo, eager to escape the acrobatic within the band, chose to accompany him. During his time away, Harrison resolved to recommit to the guitar as his main instrument, having studied sitar during Shankar's tutelage since nineteen sixty six. I wonder if he mentioned that in the Ravi Shankar's documentary, like yeah I'm done with sitar. Uh Uh, The song, this song, thereby, provides the first example of Harrison's vigorous return to form to the guitar on the White Album, as he contributes a, quote, angry, droning jabber. Yeah, that's fair. The next day they records, yes, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I love his guitar part. I I think that that guitar line at the end of the chorus is one of Harrison's best.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I assume he also does and Oh,
0: absolutely! Yeah.
1: The next day, they record six takes of the still untitled song under the last days They overdubbed. a number of instruments including two lead guitars, handbell, and sugar. On July 1st, Paul added a first bass guitar part, and John added new lead vocals, but the latter was replaced on July 23rd. The backing vocals, including the ma" ending, hand claps and other bass guitar were also recorded that day the song was mixed for mono. The stereo mix followed on October 12, 1968. Jeff Everett did not like the song because he has uh, poor memory, uh, bad memory attached to it. Uh, he wrote it in his book. I thought that Revolution 1 was raucous and unpleasant, but it had nothing on this track. Once again, the Bills were playing incredibly loud down in the studio. He sounds like an old man. He does. Yeah, and he was like 18. <laughs> like <laughs> <seven. But laughs> working with the Leonard Beatles, ages you. Turn it down! But this time, Lennon and Harrison had their volume turned up so high that Paul actually gave up competing with them. Rather than play bass on the backing track, he stood next to Ringo re- ringing a huge fireman's bell, egging his drummer on. There was no microphone on him because the thing was so loud that it bled on all the mics anyway. Physically, it was very difficult to pull off. Paul had to take a break after each take because his shoulders were aching so much. They got swole. As much as I disliked the song, I had to admit that it was the first time in any of the White Album sessions that there was any energy in their playing. George Harrison's lead work was crisp and efficient, much more aggressive than his usual style. The bass part Paul overdubbed on was good, too. Clearly, he was still determined to do his best, no matter what was going on between him and John. Needless to say, by the time the track was completed, I had a splitting headache. That evening, Paul had walked into the control room on his way in and unceremoniously plunked a bottle of Johnny Walker down on the table, saying, This is for you, boys. George Barton looked askance. He was probably thinking, Oh, God, this is the end of the session. Now Jeff and Richard are going to get pissed. Somehow, though, we restrained ourselves until after everyone had got home, at which point we drained the entire bottle. <sighs> Writing for Rolling Stone, shortly after Harrison's death in November 2001, David Frick featured the track in his article of 25 Essential Harrison Performances. Calling it an explosion of blistering guitars and barking vocals, Frick concluded the song is a Lennon salute to the joys of 1950s rock and roll animalism. But its locomotive heart is Harrison's whirl-around guitar figure played with ferocious attitude, its Lennon's crisp strum and the incessant clang of a handbell. In 2018, the music staff of Time Out London ranked the track at number 13 on their list of the best Beatles songs. That's for awful. Wow. Long. Yeah. Larry Harlow did a cover as Me and My Monkey on his album with the same name in 1969. Fats Domino covered the song in 69 in a 72 interview, London highlighted it as a great version. The Feelies did a cover of the song under their 1980 debut album, Crazy Rhythms. That's a classic album. Soundgarden covered a song during a 1989 Peel session. Fish, of course, on their album Live Fish, Volume 13. Hey. listening. Kristen Hirsch on her 1999 EP Echo. And when Mojo released the white album Recovered in, in 2008, part of a continuing series of CDs, CDs, of Beatles albums covered track <laughs> by track by Byron Artists, the track was covered by My Brightest Diamond. Love count, zero. You know, a monkey was well Josie scale, I give this a yeah.
0: I agree. This one gets a yeah for me too. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh, yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine.